Hey everybody, this is Bishop Brian Gallardo and you're listening to the LifeGate Church Podcast where we lift the name of Jesus and empower every listener. For more information, please go to lifegatekc.org or briangallardo.com. Okay, so Bishop last week talked about Pack the Place and it was fantastic. Who remembers the word of the Lord from last week? Powerful. And he got to his last point and he started talking about praise. And Berto already started talking about this this morning too. So I'm just gonna re-elaborate, give you a little bit of extra just in case you need it, okay? So Bishop gave us six Hebrew words for praising God. Shabak, shout with a voice of triumph. Come on. Yeah. Barak, kneel before the Lord. You're already sitting so you don't have to do it, okay? And if I get down, I may not get up, okay? Yada, extended hands. Come on, can we extend our hands today? There we go. Tahila, sing loudly with music. Come on, let me sing. Sing unto the Lord. Yeah, okay, come on. Zamar, sing with instruments. They did that this morning, and they did it great. Come on. And this is the one. Berto talked about it, too, and I was like, for real, Berto? Halal. All right, come on. Celebrate extravagantly. You appear foolish, okay, to be fanatic, to be zealous when you are, like, celebrating your team that's winning like the Chiefs. Okay, come on, right? So, as Bishop was saying this, it got me thinking, okay? In the American church, an American, in the American church, a lot of people don't praise God like they used to. Now, I, I'm a church kid to my core. I came out of the womb with a Bible in my hand, a mic in my face, and like, this is what we did, okay? But I remember back in the day, it wasn't like pulling teeth to get people to worship Jesus. People came with an expectation. They came because they're like, Lord, I have nothing else. This is what I need to do. And I look at the American church now, just not ours, the American church, and I'm like, where is the passion of God? How did we get to the place where we forgot what worship was? Well, we forgot what our praise does. So I started thinking, well, what are people passionate about then? If they're not passionate about God or his, the things that God is passionate about, what are they passionate about? So I got with my best friend, Google, and we decided to figure out what people are passionate about. This is some of the top things. They're passionate about fitness and health, right? Yeah, I like that, okay. I need to be more passionate about it, but they're passionate about their animals. Okay, listen. I love my dogs, but I ain't passionate about my dogs, okay, at all. They're passionate about their education. Okay, I can see that. They're passionate about their personal development. I could see that. Relationships, they're passionate about that. Their sports, careers. So I started thinking of my family alone. My daughter, Olivia, who's amazing. Come on, give it up for my kiddo. If you don't know, her little skin, be gl- it just glows because she's passionate about skincare. Okay, this girl will do hours on hours on hours of research. She'll go every time we go to the store, she has to look at something for her skin. And I'm like, my God, sis, you got like 80,000 things downstairs, but she needs something else. But she glows like nobody else, okay? I said, all right, sis, you be passionate. Teach me your ways. Okay, and then, you know, you guys all know Bishop. He's an extremely passionate man, no matter what. He, passion just exudes out of everything he does, okay? He's passionate about our church, about God, about our family. He's passionate about where his things are at and how it is at. You know, he knows if it's out of order. So he's extremely passionate about that. So, and you guys know my sister, Pastor Janae, she's so passionate, she wrote it on her body. She said, you know what? I am, no matter what, I'm a passionate worshiper, okay? Just in case you forgot, we got somebody here who's passionate about worship, okay? (laughs) 
<laughs> I love you so much. Okay, and then I started thinking, well, what am I passionate about? Of course I'm passionate about the things that God is passionate about. I'm passionate about my family, about my husband, because I will fight you for him, okay? I will cut you and then love on you right after that, okay? I will get ghetto if I have to. I will take off my chunkle and beat you if I have to. But I love my husband, okay? I love my boo and I love my little schmoo. Sorry, I'm so sorry. It just rhymed, I got excited. <laughs> I'm passionate about finding the win. No matter what happens, it could be the horriblest, worst day ever. I'm going to find a win. Something was good about today. Because today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it no matter what, right? I'm passionate about helping people. And if you know me, you know that I am so passionate about my chiefs. Okay? Take that, all you haters that were in the Super Bowl, okay? And I know some of you, I'm going to just put this out there. Some of you don't know this side of me, and I apologize in advance. But I'm going to show you a video. Just so you know, no children were harmed in this video. But I get excited when it comes to my chief. Show that video. <laughs> Passionate. There it is. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, passionate. I did not hit my child, I promise you, okay? She is fine. Every, but listen, I lose my mind. If we miss something, I'm like, what were you doing? I'm, I'm so extreme that I'm like, take his legs out. And people are like, my gosh, Pastor Joan, like, I love the Chiefs, okay? I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about my team, okay? This is the Chiefs kingdom, red kingdom, let's go, right? I, but I halal. I get so incredibly foolish and stupid, and guess what? I don't care. I don't care who's in the room. You're going to know what team I'm going for, and I will trash talk you no matter what. If you're losing, I'm like, losers, the Bills, losers, Baltimore. I'll let you know. I can't help it. And then I have to pray through afterwards. <laughs> oh, me, Jesus. But I cheer on my team because I'm passionate about it, right? And I thought, why don't we have that same passion in the church? Oh, we're going to get deep. Halal is a praise word. We just talked about it, right? Well, Pastor Jillian, it's not in my nature. That is not true. Guess what? You are made in the image of God. So that means it's God's nature to praise. So it's in your nature too, okay? You will get passionate about something. Yes, you will. Oh, yes, you will. You'll get passionate about something. And my question for you today is, are you passionate about Jesus? Are you passionate about the things that Jesus is passionate about? We should be passionate about praise and worship towards the God because the word wasn't asking us. It actually commanded us, right? In Psalms 150, it says, praise the Lord. That word praise there is halal. That means to act foolishly, be a fanatic, go for it and say, come on, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I'll act foolish and don't care, right? says praise him in his mighty firmament praise him for his mighty acts praise him according to his excellent greatness praise him with the sound of the trumpet praise him with a lute and harp praise him with the timbrel and dance are you getting the picture yet praise him with stringed instruments and flute it never said maybe or if you're feeling okay it said praise him with loud symbols listen our church is loud but guess what heaven's louder okay <laughs> 
praise him with crashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Come on, can you just do that for two seconds? Praise the Lord. He is worthy. Hey! Praise ye the Lord. Yes, 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 yes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You're worthy to be praised. Glory and honor and power and praise. Amen. Amen. And guess what? It didn't stop there. First Chronicles 16 says, give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Let the whole world know what he has done. Because he's done something for you, right? Sing to him. Yes, Sing his praises. Tell everyone of his wonderful deeds. Exalt his holy name. Rejoice you who worship the Lord. It wasn't an ask. He said, let's do it, right? Psalms 100, one through four says, shout with joy to the Lord. All the earth, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. That's what we did today. Well, some of us did it today. Come on. Acknowledge that the Lord is good. He made us and we are his. Come on, any believers in the house? We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Here we go. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Don't you forget every time you walk into this place, we got to have a heart posture of praise. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. It says, give thanks to him and praise his name. It is not a suggestion. We come into the presence of God and we shake off the week and say, Lord, it doesn't matter what happened. Today is the day that you have made. I will rejoice. I will be glad in the name. Come on. Say yes. I'm trying to. I got to bring it down for a second so I can breathe. I got this little sinus thing, so sorry if it's coming out, but we're going to get through it. So. Why do we praise God? I'm so glad you asked. We praise God because he's good. Plain and simple, if he never did anything else, he is good. We praise God because he has been faithful time and time and time and time again. You may not think so, but I, get, I guarantee you he has been faithful time and time again. We give God praise because it brings glory to his name. We, bring, we give God praise because it welcomes God into our life. When we raise our hands and I say, come on, everybody raise your hands. This is a sign of surrender. This says, God, it's your will. It's not my will. It's your will. So I shake off everything. I surrender to you and say, whatever you have for me. That's why we praise God. We praise God because we're being grateful for all that he has done. We're recounting his blessings, the things that he has done. And I'm grateful for the things that he didn't do. The things that I prayed about that the Lord knew that, no, 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 you don't need that. You may think you need it. And I was mad at the time. I'm like, Lord, why didn't you do this? And years later, I said, my God, the Lord, he knew. He always knows, right? We praise God because it produces power in our life. And we praise God for so many more things. But today I want to give you five. Come on, tell your neighbor five. Five. 
five key points on what praise does for the believer. Now, if you're not a believer, my prayer is that you will be by the time we're done today. But this, I'm talking to the believer, the person that says, I am a Christ disciple, somebody that loves Jesus and I surrender to Jesus. This is what praise does to the believer because you need to know there is so much power in your praise. Tell your neighbor there's power in your praise. Tell your other neighbor there's power in your praise. Oh, you got to shout it at them. Tell them there's power. power. Yeah, in your praise. That's right, Pastor Janae. Don't hurt my kid. Okay, here we go. Point number one. You ready? Taking it down? Your praise brings God's presence. Your praise brings God's presence. First Chronicles chapter 15, verse three, it says, then David summonsed all Israel to Jerusalem to bring the ark of the Lord to the place he had prepared for it. Verse 28 said, so all Israel, not some of Israel, not half of Israel, not just the ones that wanted to praise, all Israel brought up the ark of the Lord's covenant with shouts of joy, with blowing of ram's horns, with trumpets, with crashing of cymbals, and loud playing on the harps and lyres, okay? The ark symbolizes the presence of God. They brought the presence of God back to the camp with their praise. Did you catch it? With their praise. David got to the point where he said, I'm tired of not having the presence of God in my life. So in chapter 13, he said, it's time to bring back the ark of God. Tell your neighbor, it's time to bring back the ark of God. He said, for we have neglected it. We have neglected it. And I started thinking that many of us have neglected God's presence in our life. Come on, Christian, that's been a Christian for years. We have neglected God's presence in our life because we stopped praising. Something has shifted. Where we once carried God's presence, we've replaced it with other things. We've replaced God's presence for that relationship. It became more important to you. You started pursuing that relationship and stopped pursuing God. You neglected God's presence with all the distractions. My God, our phone alone and the scrolls for hours is a distraction, right? We've neglected God's presence because we've made excuses. Why? Well, I just have no time. All of these other things are going on, but you had time to scroll on your phone for hours, right? We replaced God's presence and, and replaced it with pride. Just too good. I don't want to look like that. I don't want to do that. It doesn't need all of that. Come on. We've replaced it with numbness. Oh, hear me, Church of America. We've replaced it with complacency in our praise. We've replaced it with taking it for granted. The same God that I grew up knowing is still the same God today. The same God that did miracles back then and in the word of God is still the same God that we serve today. The same God that cast out demons and raised the dead is still the same God we serve today. But we've replaced, we've replaced the presence of God in our life. We become numb to it. We become and taking it for granted that I'll just show up because I'm doing my religious duty. It's Sunday, so this is what I do. We've replaced the presence, and it's time to bring back the ark of God. Come on. His presence used to mean something to us. Come on. But some of us have gotten like Mikkel, 
towards the presence of God. Who's Michal? Michal is Saul, King Saul's daughter, who married King David. Yes, this is King David the shepherd. King David, the one who um, killed Goliath. The, the soldier David, the warrior David, the skilled musician. Many of you didn't know, he played the harp and he was one bad mamma jamma, okay? He wrote over 75 psalms in psalms, okay? This is um, David who was part of the tribe of Judah and Judah we know means praise, right? David was a praiser. So David represents praise here. And, and the Bible says Michael, who married King David, loved David. And 1 Samuel 19, he, the Bible said she loved David. Because David actually was supposed to marry his older sister. Y'all know that, right? And his older sister was like, mm, I don't love praise. I'm out. I'm, I don't need that. And Michael actually got to a point where she loved David. She loved praise. And the Bible even said that she saved praise's life. She saved David's life when her dad was trying to come and kill him. She saved his life because she still had a place for praise in her heart. But something along the lines changed. Something over the years changed and she lost her love for praise. And now, fast forward years, now they're bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into the camp, okay? Everyone's jumping, shouting, praising, dancing. And the Bible said in 2 Samuel 6, 14 and 15, it says, and David danced before the Lord with all his might, wearing the priestly garment. So David and all the people, come on, all the people, not some, not half of them, not the ones that felt like it that day, not the ones that showed up, it was all the people of Israel brought up the Ark of the Covenant with shouts of joy, with the blowing of ram's horns, crashing of cymbals, loud playing on harps and lyres, okay? I'm just saying it again so y'all can get it real good. He was praising God with all his might. David was praising God all his might. And guess what? Not just David. Everyone in the camp was doing it, okay? And then it says they're, they're praising, they're allowing God. They're radically, they don't care what's going on. David clearly doesn't care what's going on, okay? He gets back. And in verse 20, it says, when David returned to his home to bless his own family, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today. Shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like a vulgar person might do. This showed me that Mikkel lost her love for praise. She grew hard-hearted towards the things of God. She grew hard-hearted towards praise. She grew complacent towards the presence of God. She started saying, it doesn't require all that. Why are they doing all of that? My question is, why aren't you joining in? Everybody else is doing it, and you're the one that's sitting there complaining. Why? Why did she lose her heart for, and her love for praise and worship? It doesn't require, you don't have to dance like that. You don't have to shout like that. It doesn't have to be that loud. It doesn't have to, no, 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 no. And the Bible says she became barren and unfruitful. And I said, Holy Spirit, I know when we stop praising, we turn spiritually barren. Come on, we turn spiritually unfruitful. Hear the word of the Lord today. Verse 21, David retorted to Michael. He said, listen, 
I love you, but I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I will celebrate before the Lord. Yes, I'm willing to look more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own life. Guess what? He didn't care what anybody thought. He didn't care what his wife thought. He didn't care what the people of Israel thought. He said, I want the presence of God. So it doesn't matter what anybody else does i'm gonna shout i'm gonna dance i'm gonna clap my hands i'm gonna give god the victory because i want the presence of god back in my life i need his presence so i'll dance more foolishly i'll shout more foolishly i'll do whatever it takes do we have anybody that'll do whatever it takes to get the presence of god We'll do whatever it takes to get the presence of God back in our camp. LifeGate Church is not a church that will ever do church without the presence of God. I'm here to tell you that right now. I don't care. I will look more undignified than this. I'll look more foolish than this. I'm not going to give the Chiefs more praise than I give my God. Come on. I'm not going to do it. I might shout and yell next week, but I won't shout any louder than I'll do in this place today. Somebody say yes. I get aggressive about the things of God. Y'all sit down. Come on. So they're praising so hard. At that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priest could not continue their service because the cloud of glory His presence of the Lord filled the temple. The presence filled the temple when the people praised. You want to know why you don't have any presence in your life? What have you given to God in praise? Come on. We've got to be people that praise. When you praise God, God always fills the place with his presence. Our praise helps usher in the presence of God. And God makes room. He shows up when you make room for him. Come on. Your praise brings the presence of God. Don't lose your praise. Don't get complacent in your praise. Don't become hard-hearted like Michael did. Get the ark back in your life. Come on, we need the ark back into our church, into our families, into our homes, in our community, in America. We've got to quit neglecting God's presence and get our praise back and praise God until his presence shows up. Come on, tell your neighbor, there's power in my praise. There's power in my praise. All right, number two, another thing that praise does for the believer is your praise brings the rain. Your praise brings the rain. Tell your neighbor, your praise brings the rain. We are a participatory church, okay? Zechariah 14, 17, it says, And it shall be that whichever the families of the earth do not come to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, on them there will be no rain. I read that and I said, my God, no worship, no rain. Plain and simple. If there's nothing going up, guess what? There's nothing coming down. God said, if you're not going to bring me worship, what do you want me to do for you? 
No worship, no rain. And rain in the Bible symbolizes an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Rain in the Bible symbolizes God's abundant provision for his people. So our praise is like a cloud that forms in the atmosphere. Once enough of it goes up, come on, and it accumulates, guess what? Blessings come down. Guess what? Showers come down with goodness. He showers us with prosperity. He showers us with his love because that's how good God is. But we've got to offer up something unto God, right? We can't come into this house without offering something up. It's a sacrifice of praise. I don't feel like it. Amen. Me either. I'm tired. I got some sinus thing going on. I'm stressing my voice out. But it doesn't matter. God deserves the praise. Come on. He deserves it. Elijah, the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament, told King Ahab in a severe drought. It hadn't rained in years. Excuse me. It hadn't rained in years. And he said to him, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And the prophet and, and, and the king, I'm sure, was like, are you for real right now? It hasn't rained in years. Everything is dry. He said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. He prayed and he worshiped God until he saw something happen. Listen, he sent his servant seven times and seven times the servant came back and he said, there's nothing. It, I, I don't know, what you're, I don't know, this, this may not work. And guess what? The eighth time when he went back, there was a cloud. It, even if it's a minute cloud, there's something forming. And that means to tell me we don't stop just because we don't see it in the moment. We've got to keep praising because guess what? A rain cloud is on the way. We church are called to be rainmakers. Our church needs the rain of God. Our families need the rain of God. Our neighborhoods need the rain of God. America needs the rain of God. Our church needs the rain of God. Somebody say yes. And this will only happen. Get it? It will only happen when prayer and praise come together and it shifts the atmosphere. No worship, no rain. Come on, don't ask God to do something you're not willing to do. No worship, no rain. So we say, God, send your rain to this land. Send your rain to our homes. Send your rain to our church. Come on, send your rain of goodness. Send your rain of abundance. Send your rain of healing. Today, God, send the rain. We are willing to worship the Lord, but we want you to send the rain. In Jesus' name, right? Our praise brings the rain. All right, number three, your praise defeats the enemy. Oh, I love this one. Come on, tell your neighbor, your praise defeats the enemy. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it says, a large army is coming to make war against King Jehoshaphat and the Israelites. Guess what they started to do? An army is coming for the people of God. And they started to seek the Lord. They started fasting. They started praying. And in verse 18, it says, then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem, not some, not half, not the ones that felt good that day, not the ones that weren't dealing with something through the weeks. It said all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. 
I wonder what would happen if we all got in one accord and worshiped the Lord together. And it wasn't one of those things that we came in with heaviness, but that we just said, you know what? It doesn't matter. I worship the Lord because he's good and his mercy endures forever. Come on. What would happen if we got in one mind and one accord? I know what will happen. Acts 2 would happen. Come on, because there'll be unity in the room. You want an Acts 2 movement? Let's get in one mind and in one accord. Come on, say yes. Here's what the Lord said. He said, because they came together, because they worshiped, he said, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Guess what? The battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. Come on, somebody hear it in the spirit. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. He said, you're not going to have to fight. You can put your boxing gloves down. You've been fighting too long. You're not going to have to do. He said, take up your positions and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. See the victory of the Lord. This is all he said. He said, you don't have to do anything, but keep on praising. That's all you got to do. You don't have to fight that fight. You don't have to worry. You don't have to do anything else. All you got to do is keep on praising. Verse 21, this is what the king did. He said, after consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. They said, give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And they sang it over and over and over again. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Can you imagine this? An army is a, a whole battlefield. They're ready to go. An army is there. And you've got singers and praisers up here like, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures. Just going crazy. That's what the Bible said. They've got people in front of the army, in front of them with their, you know, the army is ready with everything that they've got, their bows, their arrows, their guns, everything, ready to fight. And God said, you don't need all that. All you need is a praise. The king put the praisers in front of the army. And it said, number 22, it said, at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies to start fighting among themselves. You don't have to do anything else but offer up God a praise. That's how good he is. We put the praisers in front of the army. That means praise goes before your battle. That means it shows us the power of our praise. I'm telling you, you have so much power when you praise God. Your praise destroys the enemy's plans. Why do you think Satan fights us so hard to praise God? He knows the power of your praise. Do you know the power of your praise? Come on, somebody. Psalm 68 says, when we worship the Lord, God rises and the enemies scatter. So I started thinking, so when we worship the Lord, God rises. That means cancer has to scatter. When we worship the Lord, God rises and anxiety has to scatter. When we worship the Lord, God rises, depression has to scatter. Doubt has to scatter. Fear has to scatter. Hopelessness has to scatter. When we worship the Lord, God rises and the enemy scatters. Come on, your praise. Your praise is a weapon against the enemy. Do not forget that, man and woman of God. Your praise is a weapon against the enemy. So praise him for your peace. Praise him for your joy. 
Praise him for your freedom. Well, I don't feel it right now. That's fine. You may not, but praise God anyway because there's going to come a point where you're going to shake that off and you're going to feel freedom. Praise God for your deliverance. Praise God for your breakthrough. Let praise go before every battle. Amen? So if you're facing a giant right now, let's send praise first. When your praises go up, God comes down and fights the battle for you. So we've got to praise God first. Don't get it twisted. You don't have to fight the battle. Put your swords and spears down. Put it down and use your voice to lift up Jesus' name. He's already fighting the battle for you. Come on, that's something to praise God for right now. Come on, praise him just for a moment. All right, I'm getting there. Point number four, another thing that praise does for the believers. Your praise breaks chains. Acts 16, Paul and Silas are in it. They're heading to the temple and on their way, there's a girl that has a demon that's vexing them and they cast it out. They're doing what they're supposed to do. And in the middle of all that, there's a huge uproar and people get mad because they don't understand and they pull Paul and Silas. And so let's pick up on, on verse 22. It says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. Offer praying for a girl and getting her free, okay? They were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. Verse 24, so the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. So they were, they were humiliated in front of a crowd. They were stripped naked, okay? Stripped in front of everybody. They're beaten with rods over and over and over and over and over again. They're thrown into a prison. They're put in an inner dungeon and their feet were chained to stocks. So I, as I thought about that, I could imagine hours later, Paul and Silas in this dungeon and they're regaining consciousness hours later on the wet, damp, cold dungeon floor. No doubt they're in pain. I mean, they just got beaten half to death. No doubt they probably had a few broken ribs. So they were in a whole lot of pain no doubt they had cuts and bruises. They were bleeding, okay, bleeding. And I started thinking, sometimes it's easy to praise God when all things are great. Of course it is. But can we praise God in the darkness and the hopelessness? Can we give God a bleeding praise? Oh, the bleeding praise, those are the ones that hurt. Those are the painful ones that, God, I don't understand what's going on. I'm frustrated. I'm literally bleeding, God. And yet, this is what they do. Verse 25, it said, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. People are always listening. And I started thinking, they used what was loose to shake the shackles off what was bound. Let me say it again. They used what was loose to shake the shackles off what was bound. Let me say it a different way. They said our feet may be bound, but our voice is not. My feet may be bound, but our voice is not. And I could just see Paul 
sitting there on the dungeon floor and, and probably moaning in pain and turned over and said, you are worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. And Silas turned over and said, for from you are all things. And to you are all things. And then they both joined in because they felt that, that spirit and said, you deserve the glory. And then, I, and then I think Paul started singing, because worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb. And then they both joined in together and said, you are holy. You're holy. Are you Lord God Oh my? Through the pain, through the hurt, they said, worthy is the lamb. Mm. Worthy is the lamb. Amen. So they're hurting and praising. They're broken and they're praising. Hear me by the Spirit, somebody. They're wondering why God allowed this situation, but still praising. They're cut in so many places and still praising. They're bruised, but praising. They're bleeding. It's running down their forehead, and they're still praising God. They weren't dwelling on what just happened. They weren't wondering about all the pain and everything that they've experienced. They weren't talking negative or critical. You didn't hear doubt come out of their mouth. They weren't saying, woe is me. They weren't focused on where they were bound. They lifted up their voices and they started praising God through it all. And they said, through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in him. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. They said, through it all, through it all. It doesn't matter the situation, I can worship wherever. They said, I don't care where I'm shackled, what's going on, I'm gonna worship God through it all. Because the officials could change their bodies but they couldn't chain their praise. Verse 26 said, then suddenly, as they're worshiping, there was a massive earthquake and the prisons were shaken to its foundation. All the doors immediately flew open, come on, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. When you praise God through the hurt, through the pain, through the frustration, through the bruises, come on, through the cuts, through the scars, through the health issues, when you're bleeding, when you praise God through the midst of it all, the chains break off. So I want to ask you, are you going to let the chains break your praise? Or will you decide I'm going to lift up a praise that's going to break my chains? Come on. Because here's the point I want to make. When you unlock your praise, 
your praise will unlock you. Come on, somebody. When you unlock your praise, your praise will unlock you. And guess what? It's not only going to unlock your situation, it's going to unlock the situations of those around you. That's why we can't stop praising. If you can't do it for yourself, then praise them for your neighbor. If you can't praise them for yourself, praise them for your lost child. If you can't praise them for somebody else, praise them that the chains be broken today, once and for all. Chains be broken for this generation. Chains of bondage be broken today. Chains of addiction be broken today. Chains of pornography be broken today. Chains of self-harm, of suicide, broken today. 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 Chains of depression, come on, broken today. Chains of anxiety, broken today. Chains of sickness, broken today. Be broken in the name of Jesus. Now praise the Lord for it. Come on. Your praise breaks chains. Your praise breaks chains. Your praise breaks chains. Your praise breaks chains. Your praise. Somebody say yes. Yes, your praise breaks chains. All right, sit down. I got one more point to go as I'm trying to pace myself. Thank you, Lord, for a voice. Isaiah 61. Oh, wait, no, let's go back up. Your praise, number five. Your praise lifts the heaviness. Your praise lifts the heaviness. Isaiah 61, verse 3 said, We put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Heaviness is just something that makes us weak. It makes us grow dull in our spirit. It's something that vexes us, right? It's something we feel like we can't push through. It's something that's weighing us down, either spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, fill in the blank. And many of us have been weighed down in life. The pressures of life, the pain of life. My God, 2024, it's crazy, right? We're weighed down by our jobs or by our finances or by our relationships. We're weighed weighed down by the hurt and pain, weighed down by the generational curses. Come on, weighed down by sickness, weighed down by what they said about you, weighed down by hopelessness, weighed down by despair. But I think it's time for a wardrobe change. Come on, somebody. I think it's time for us to take off the spirit of heaviness and it's time for us to put on a garment of praise. Now listen, I don't keep my other garment on. I took off doubt. I put on faith. I took off pain and I put on freedom. I took off anxiety and I put on faith. Come on, that's what it says. I take off heaviness, I put on a garment of praise. I take off that pain and I put on praise. I take off discouragement and I put on hope. Come on, somebody hear it. I take off heaviness, I put on healing. I take off despair, I put on joy. I take off anxiety, I put on peace. I take off vexing, I put on victory. The victory of the Lord. We take off heaviness. The hardest seasons of my life, I always learned 
The hardest season in my life always ceased when I put praise on. Oh, there were so many times that I wanted to say, woe is me. Look what they did. I feel this way. I wanted to talk to my feelings and let them know. I wanted to let everybody know. I had to put on praise. I got to a point where I said, enough is enough. I'm tired of that heaviness vexing me. I'm tired of feeling this way. I am over it. Enough is enough, and I'm going to put my praise on. I don't care. I'm going to put praise on. And the Bible tells us in the Old Testament, King Saul was vexed by a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. And 1 Samuel chapter 16, it says, and so it was whenever the spirit of God was upon Saul, the spirit from God was upon Saul, David would take a harp and play it with his hand. He would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. So this tells me heaviness is vexing Saul. David lifts up a praise unto the Lord by playing his harp. And the spirit would leave. That just shows us the power of our praise, right? And the harp in the Bible represents an instrument that they used to praise the Lord. I read so many scriptures about it. Every time that you saw it on there, there was scriptures of the harp, using the harp to praise the Lord. And a lot of this represented to them. They were used the harp to represent joy, blessings, comfort, and deliverance for the Israelite people. They would play the mess out of these harps. They used it to worship the Lord. And Psalm 71, 22 and 23 says, I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness. My God, I will sing praise to you with the lyre. Holy one of Israel, my lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. I whom you have delivered. Praise brings deliverance from anything that is vexing you. Come on, somebody. So if praise brings deliverance and it lifts the heaviness, why is it so hard for us to praise God? I started thinking about that and I said, Holy Spirit, why is it so hard for your people to worship you? And he started telling me, some of them are not my people. And I said, my God, wait, you mean to tell me people come to church and they don't really follow Jesus? And he started telling me, some people don't praise God because of their past. They're too ashamed. God does not put shame on you at all. That is not the spirit of God. Once you ask Christ into your life and you ask him for forgiveness, it's done, it's over with, it's washed away. Now you've got to forget it because he already forgot it. So some people don't praise God because they're past. Some people don't praise God because they're future because they're overthinkers, because they're so worried. Worrying's a sin, don't be worrying. What are we worried about? God's got us, God is enough, period. Exclamation point, walk away, drop the mic. God's got us, God is enough, right? Some people don't praise God because of the pride in their heart. I'm just gonna stand here and watch Pastor Janae do it because she's got enough energy for all of us, okay? But guess what? you have just as much power in your praise than she does. Yeah, she's a warrior in the spirit, but yes, so are you. You just gotta tap into it and say, it don't matter what I look like, I'm a warrior in the spirit too, right? Some people don't praise God because they don't have a relationship with God. They rely on their parents' relationship with God or they, they just come to church because it's their Sunday duty or somebody made them come or they just showed up. There's no relationship with you. Of course, you don't praise what you don't know. 
Some people don't praise God because they're ignorant, ignorant of the blessings of God. You're alive today because God said you're alive today. Come on. You woke up with breath in your body because God breathed the breath of life into you and said breathe, right? We have a reason to praise God. Some people don't praise God because they've fallen out of love with Jesus. So they've fallen out of love with praise. Come on, Michael. They've fallen out of love. They've forgotten the power of what their praise does. And they've allowed other things to weigh them down and forgotten the power of the praise. And I, I started reading a scripture that was so sad to me in the Bible. In Psalms 137, verse 1 and 2, it says, Beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept as we thought about Jerusalem. We put away our harps. And as I read this, I realized they sat down. Number one, that was the wrong thing to do. They sat down. They stopped going after God. They forgot that the word says stand and see the salvation of the Lord. They forgot the word says stand firm, let nothing move you. And then the situation overtook them and they got overwhelmed with it. So then the Bible says they put away their harps. Now we know harps represent praise. So they put their praise away. They hung it up. They were done. There's nothing to be joyful about. The situation's not turning around. Woe is me. This is just as good as it's going to get. They used to praise, but they stopped praising. They forgot the power of their praise. And I just wanted to remind you today, you've got to keep your hand on the harp. You have got to keep your hand on the harp. That means you don't stop praising. As in the Bible, it said Saul was so vexed by the spirit and he was so angry, he started throwing, throwing his spears at David. And the Bible said, David kept his hand on the harp. You've got to keep your hand on praise. You got to not let anything shake you. No matter what the enemy's throwing at you, keep your hand on the harp. No matter what heaviness is weighing you down, keep your hand on the harp. No matter the situation that's staring you in the face today, it may be a huge situation. You've got to keep your hand on the harp. Keep praising God because there's power in your praise. In your praise, through adversity, keep your hand on the harp. Through chaos, keep your hand on the harp. Through confusion, keep your hand on the harp. Come on, don't stop praising. Through loneliness, keep your hand on the harp. Through difficult times, keep your hand on the harp. I'm here today to tell you, keep dancing through the difficulties. Keep pressing through the pain. I know it's painful, you gotta keep pressing. Keep shouting through the situation. Don't let anything rob you of your praise. Keep standing, let nothing move you. Keep your hand on the harp. Why? Because your praise will lift the heaviness. Come on, your praise lifts the heaviness. You want heaviness gone? All you gotta do is praise him. You say, Pastor Julian, I wish it was that simple. It is that simple. Guess what? Your situation may not change, but you change in the situation when you praise God because you begin to look at it different. It says, you know what? It doesn't matter if this situation never changes. I will have a yet praise. I'm going to praise God no matter what the situation looks like. Yes, this is what it looks like, but I have a praise because I'm keeping my hand on the harp. I'm following after Jesus and I can't forget what the Lord has done.